Would you stand up with me? It's going to be a great day to serve the Lord as we sing about the power that we find in Him. This remarkable series has been awesome, and this morning we get to hear Doug Smith preach, talking about the power of God in the book of Mark. Looking forward to it, but just let's sing about the power of Jesus in our lives right now. Sing with me right here. I can see the water's raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same 
Guys, I'm excited. This is like the third time I've seen you in six weeks. It's the most that I get to see you guys is when I get to do the welcome. So welcome. Thank you for being here. If you have not already loaded up the uh, connection card and filled that out, we ask you to do that for us, please. I'm going to go through a couple of quick announcements when it comes to our next-gen ministries. And then after that, we want to welcome a group that's here with us, and then we'll pray and continue on with our service. Uh, so tonight, we have, obviously, we have kids been right now, two years old through sixth grade is over in Founders Chapel, having a great time doing that. Tonight, we have the final uh, episode, I guess I can say, of our summer series for our youth group, our 7th through 12th graders. That's going to be at my house. Uh, if you don't know what my house is or where it is, please come find me. I'll let you know where that's at. But that's from 5.30 to 7. We're going to have uh, a cookout, so we're going to grill out and watch our final episode of the Reckless Love series that we've been doing this summer. Uh, the college group, the young adults group, the 18 to 29-year-olds are not meeting this evening. Nate and his wife, Carissa, are on their way back from Florida. Uh, they've been there for a vacation right before school starts, so next week they'll pick that back up. But we're looking forward to all the stuff that have happened with Next Gen. This last week, actually, uh, I was invited to speak at Shackamack Bible Camp. Uh, it's kind of confusing because it's not at Shackamack, right? They had it at uh, Santa Claus Campground in Santa Claus, Indiana. And so that was a little different, getting there, the time difference and all that different stuff. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, the kids there, just the students there were, uh, were a great. It was awesome to be around them. We walked all the way through Colossians and talked about the supremacy of God. And so we really had a great time. I took Titus with me, uh, which I'll be honest with you, if you're a parent, you understand. On day two, I thought, maybe I shouldn't have. Like, like, it was one of those, we woke up, he's like, what are we doing, Dad? And I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? But we had a great time. Once the teens started adapting, he didn't want to hang out with me anymore. He wanted to hang out with them. So it ended up being a great time that we had there together this last week. But for those of you that prayed, I sent emails to uh, our kids' leaders and parents and all that stuff. Thank you for praying this last week. God answered that. It was a great meeting uh, this past week. Now, we do have a, a distinguished group uh, with us today, the Distinguished Young Women. So if you guys would stand, we want to welcome them. They will be here all this week uh, working. They've got a, uh, a service or a, uh, I keep saying service, Connie, what, what would you call it? Program. There's the word I'm looking for. Program Saturday night here. So let's welcome them to our service, if you would, please. Thank you guys for being here. You guys can have a seat. Now, who's up first with the speeches? Do we have a mic? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we thank you all for being here. We're glad you're here with us this morning. It's the final Sunday before Avon school starts. Can I get an amen, Carolyn? No, all right, there we go. So back to school for teachers this week and all the fun things for students. So we're looking forward to getting back into the routine, right? But there's a lot of things that God can use this year. This last week, I challenged the students that were there uh, based off of Colossians. I said, what God is calling you to do this year is to preach Jesus. Like no matter what, there's nothing else that God is calling you to do more than to preach Jesus in your schools, in your homes, in your places of employment. That's where God is calling you to preach Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us this morning that as we walk out of these doors, that wherever we go tomorrow, be it to prepare for school starting, to go to our normal everyday job, to go to Starbucks or Cabin or wherever we go, that we would be a church that preaches Jesus wherever we go. So let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning that you've given us a place, a beautiful place to meet. Lord, I'm thankful that we're able to have kids ministry. Lord, that we have a nursery that loves on babies, that loves them so much and loves to see them develop. That we have a kids ministry that, Father, we have some great 
volunteers in that love kids and wanna see them fall in love with you. That Lord Youth Group, I am so passionate about teenagers surrendering to be all in and to follow you and to give their life to preach the gospel. Not that that means ministry, but that they preach the gospel no matter what. Lord, for our young adults group, Lord, for our adults, for our senior saints, for all of the ministries, quote unquote, that are around in harmony, Lord, would all of them be rallied around one single goal? And that's that Jesus is preached that the community around us would not be able to stand one day and not understand who you are because there were people at Harmony, there were people at Harmony that went out with the gospel and made sure that everyone at least knew that you had died for them, that you love them, that you want them. So Father, this morning, we're gonna hear from Doug here in a little bit. It's gonna be a great message, I know. But Father, I pray that that message would fit into the context that we walk out of here and have words on our lips that spread the gospel. We love you and we need you. It's in your sons and I pray, amen. Amen, stand with us one more time. As we've been going through the book of Mark, it's getting exciting and showing that the power of God just can't be stopped. He is an unstoppable God and there's power in his name. So as we sing these next two songs, just sing from the heart. Think about what you think about these words. Sing with me right here. Heaven thundered, and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you form. Faith commanded, and the mountains flew. Fear is losing ground to our
were done in the power of the name of Jesus. Think about these words as we sing them out this morning. At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. sing we will sing there is no one like our god we will praise you praise you there's no one like our god we will sing we will sing there is no one like our god we will praise you praise you there's no one like our god we will sing we will sing there is no one like our god we will praise you
Good morning, everybody. How we doing? I know Pastor John and I look a lot alike, but I'm not him. So I just wanted to, just wanted to point that out at the beginning. I want to thank the praise team for what they do. Don't they do a wonderful job? So much talent and so much willingness to give that to God as an offering. I thank them for that. I thank Pastor John for allowing me to be here this morning. And I thank you for being here as well this morning. We really do like to shout the name of the Lord, don't we? Uh, every time we're singing that song, you just hear that Yahweh, Yahweh. It's just got some punch to it. That is so awesome to hear that. There's a lot of people don't believe today, but we believe, don't we? We're going to continue in our series today in uh, Mark chapter 5, The Remarkable Life. So if you want to turn with me there in some way, shape, or form, that would be good. We're going to look in a, at an account of two very different lives that are packed in to Mark chapter 5. And I think through this, we will all see something that is of ourselves, something we can relate to in these lives. And I, I, this will not be a long sermon, I promise you. I mean it this time, seriously. I don't have a lot of uh, clever illustrations. I know you're disappointed. It disappoints me. But we're just going to walk through this story. And I'm going to have a little bit of side commentary on it. And I think uh, that at the end of the message, about 20 minutes or so, that we're going to all come to a place where we can relate some way, shape, or form to the two people we're looking at this morning. I think in some way, shape, or form, we're all going to be challenged to love God more and seek his touch in our lives. Sometimes we just need to step aside. Sometimes we need to go find a quiet place, which is very, very hard to do. Sometimes we need to put the phone away. That's right, I'm speaking blasphemy this morning. And sometimes we just need to be alone with God and seek his touch. So that's my challenge for you this morning. So I want to follow through with the lives of these people today. Now, let me start by saying these people had lives just like us. It was a long time ago, but they still had bills to pay. They still had family in their life. They still had obligations that they needed to do. They had a lot of things going on in their life, but they also had fear and desperation in their situations. In some cases, you can even see a tone of despair in these accounts. And I want you to know that these people were just like us. We might think of them as wearing robes and, you know, living in dirt and all those things. These were very real people, much like us. These people had feelings. They had emotions. They had thoughts. And they, they were having a very, very difficult time with life. So as we go through this account... We'll see these issues, and I want you to keep in mind that they're just like us, but that Jesus that touched them is the same Jesus that wants you to touch him today. He wants to touch you. He wants you to touch him. The same Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever that they came to and sought his touch. So keep in mind that they were just like us. Let's have a word of prayer before we start. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for uh, uh, laying my name on Pastor John's heart, that he would allow me the honor of standing in for him. I thank you that we have this place, that we were able to drive here freely, carry our Bibles in, meet here freely, sing together, enjoy one another, be in fellowship, and know that you are God and there is no other. I ask you, Lord, this day to give me something, uh, give us, all of us today, something special from you that cannot be denied. 
that you would change us from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Oh, wow, and the stand just magically appeared. Was that there before? Did I miss it? Because that's starting to happen. I got to tell you, that is starting to happen. That was magic. So let's begin the story. It starts in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, where we're introduced to this man, a father by the name of Jairus, whose daughter is dying. So Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Here's where we're going to start our story. It says, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed and thronged him. Thronged just means pressed in upon him. So we see here that Jairus was a leader in the synagogue, which means he was well known. He was very steeped in Jewish law, probably a Pharisee. He was well respected and he was wealthy and he was a religious man. But his position of authority does not exempt him from this pain, from this fear, from this desperation that his daughter, his little daughter, he calls her, is dying. None of his, we'll say privilege, that's an overused word these days, but he had privilege in society. But his privilege does not exempt him from this kind of pain. His privilege does not exempt him from this kind of fear. His knowledge, he would have been a very intelligent person. He would have known the law. He would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. It does not exempt him from the despair he's feeling at this moment. So he's a lot like us, isn't he? Nothing that we have, not our jobs, not our education, not our bank account, not our family, can exempt us from fear and pain and desperation. It is part of life. And Jairus was very much in the midst of that. His, uh, his Pharisee friends could not help him. I'm sure he had tried. His, uh, his fine house and his fine clothes meant nothing to him at this point. It's easy to imagine him looking out the window of his house. He, he had a, a house on the beach, I think, there by the shore. He's looking out the window and he's just, he's, he might be praying and he, he's looking and he sees there's that Jesus guy. He's getting off the boat. I've heard of him. He's been healing people. That's what they say. All these people look at him. They're just flocking to him. Why didn't anybody ever flock to me? I'm, I'm a religious leader. But there he is. You know, just maybe, maybe he can do something for my daughter. Maybe if I go out there, but I, I can't. I, I'm a leader in this community. What are people going to say? What are they going to think? The peer pressure is just overwhelming. They're going to say, aren't, aren't you a leader of the Jews? And yet you go to this Jesus person? I'm sure he'd heard of him. He was, Jesus' fame was growing drastically at that point because he was helping people. Imagine that. I'm sure he'd heard of him, but as a Pharisee, he probably would have only heard the negative things. Oh, he's a threat to us. He claims to be the son of God. But yet, this love for his daughter, this fear that he had, this despair that he had, drove him to go and seek Jesus' help. I, uh, I think I've been at a place, I know many of you have, I'm sure all of you have, have been at this place where you just need hope, right? I need hope, I need help. 
He knew, as we should know, I need Jesus. That's what I need. That's exactly what I need. So in a desperate act of faith, Jairus goes to the shore, pushes through the crowd, and comes face to face with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? We'll do that someday. Face to face with Jesus Christ. And all these people are around me just coming through, coming through. Let me in. I have to see Jesus. I have to talk to him. And verse 23 tells us that Jairus, now get this picture. You can, you can understand the state of mind by the words here. It says that Jairus begged him earnestly. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Not that she might be healed or could be healed, that she may be healed and she will live. Do you see the faith there? I, I, I can just see Jairus on his knees with tears running down his face, begging Jesus, this highly positioned man in the community, well-known leader, put all of that aside, put all of his pride aside, put all of his past aside, all the things that people would say about him and think about him, he put that all beside in this bold and desperate act of faith. So let me just pause here and, and take a little side trip just for a second. Have you ever had such a moment of faith? Have you ever had such a moment of faith? Have you had this time in your life that you put all else aside, all of your dreams, your wants, your life, everything, just put it aside to beg for a touch from Jesus Christ? Has that happened in your life? Has it happened recently in your life? Has there been a time in your life that this, you knew you needed this touch? You needed a touch of your mind so you could think more clearly. You needed a touch of your heart that you would be in faith instead of in works. You need this touch of your soul that you would be healed inside and that you would know this peace that you cannot know outside of Jesus Christ. Have you had that moment in your life that you might be healed as Jairus was seeking at this time? Today is going to be a good day to set aside your pride to set aside your sickness, to set aside your peer pressure and ask Jesus for this touch of your life, of your mind, of your heart, and of your soul. Are you with me? Nobody's with me. Good. Back to the, back to the story. At this point, Jesus immediately responds, immediately responds, and moves to go to the little girl. But it says the crowd was pressing in on him. It was, it was a lot of people there. It's kind of like, you know, being at Disney World. You just can't seem to even move your elbows, you know. There's too many people there. But the large crowd surrounded them, so it made it difficult for them to go quickly to the house. So which brings us to the second act of desperation, starting in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. So this is a little lengthy, so stick with me here. But this is the story, and we're just going through the story. It says in uh, verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. 
For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And this part's kind of funny to me. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Those guys are pretty funny. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, listen to this, daughter, daughter, what a word of affection. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, in this crowd, certainly other people were touching him and pressing up against him uh, the description of thronging him is very apt, but it, this was no ordinary touch. This was a touch of faith. This was no ordinary touch. This was a touch of desperation. This was a touch that was different than all the other touches. Jesus even states here that power went out from him with this touch. Something changed, and there she is, this desperate woman who had been sick for 12 long years. The doctors had done everything and she'd spent all that she had and yet it says her suffering only increased during this time. And it wasn't just the physical suffering, it went well beyond that. Under the Jewish law, she would have been ostracized as unclean, kind of like a leper kind of thing. She wouldn't have been allowed to gather at the synagogue, their church. She wouldn't have allowed to be in fellowship with other people in her community. She was an outcast at this point. She was an outlaw. And on top of that, she was, she was ever more anemic and growing weak and unable to do things. And, and uh, her life had just fallen apart for 12 very long years. So she sees the crowd and she pushes through the crowd. She pushes through this prejudice of society that was uh, against her, this idea that she was an outlaw. She pushes through for just one touch. Can you just see her just kind of reaching through the crowd? So many people sliding her hand through, and then that's Jesus. I'm just touching his clothes. Can you see her doing it? That desperation, that act of just pure faith. If I can just touch him, I will be made all right. If I can just get near to him, so she's coming around the backside of the crowd and this touch happens. And in that millisecond of time, both she and Jesus know something has changed. She knew instantly that she had been healed and he knew instantly that some power had gone out of him to do that healing. So Jesus connects with her and he calls her daughter. I think that's a beautiful part of this passage, daughter. In all likelihood, he'd never met her before, but she's accepted now. She's one of him. She's like his own daughter, and she's changed forever. Uh, this connection saves her. By that touch of faith, she's now saved. Her life has new meaning by that touch. I, I, I Not only can I go on and live life, uh, like it's expected to be lived. No longer am I going to be able to be part of society again. No longer am I going to be able to be productive again and do things and, and love my family and all these things that have fallen away over the last 12 years. 
But now I have this faith. Now I know Jesus is who he says he is. Now I know my life is different in every possible way because all it took was one touch. It was bold and it was desperate, but most of all, it was an act of faith. I believe he can heal me. I believe he is the son of God. I believe that he is the one that can fix my every problem. Heart, mind, and soul are now fixed because of the touch of Jesus. So let me step aside here for another minute in our story. And I'm going to ask you again, have you had such a moment of faith? Have you had such a moment of faith? I don't mean somebody told you you had such a moment of faith. I mean, have you and Jesus Christ had such a moment of faith? And the reason I say that is this. When I was growing up, I grew up in church, you know, all-American family. My dad was a Navy guy, and I mean, we were patriotic, and we went to church, and a Baptist church, of course, you know. <laughs> and uh, my mom always told me that I accepted Christ when I was five years old. Okay, I'm good to go. Baptized the whole thing. Grew up in Sunday school, youth group, did all those things. But I want to tell you, I couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember it. So I had to wrestle with that for years. Did I accept Christ as my Savior? Did I truly at five years old understand? I'm not saying you can't at five years old. I was just questioning myself because you know me, I'm not that bright. Could I have thought through the theological aspects and the simplicity at the same time of just saying, God, save me. Save me. Just like that thief on the cross, remember me. Did I do that? Because I can't even remember it happening. And so I wrestled with that for a few years, and I, I came to that point where I thought, this is not good. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again for me on a very personal way. But I had not, as near as I could tell, had one of these moments. I had not personally had this touch with Jesus Christ. And so I needed to be saved, and I did so immediately. I was 17 years old, and I knew how I drove the car. I needed this immediately. So I'm asking you, have you had this kind of personal touch of faith with Jesus Christ in your life. You should remember it. I'm not saying you have to remember the date, the time. I, you need to remember that though. That's the moment your life changes. That's the moment you have something to live for. That's the moment you have some place to go with your fear and with your desperation, with your problems. That, that moment should be known in your life. So have you had such a moment of faith? Today is a good day to press aside the crowd, to push through, to put aside the peer pressure, to put aside the, the thoughts that always floods your head with, I need to accept Jesus, but today's a good day to put that aside, just like it was for Jerison, just like it was for this woman. Put it aside. 
and find Jesus for that touch. So with all this going on, back to the story, by the way. I know you were wondering, how's it end? Back to the story. So all this is going on, and the crowds are there, and the woman, and he has his daughter to her, and, and she's changed forever. It's, uh, uh, you know, Jairus gets this message. It's too late. Your daughter's died. It's too late. And so he's standing there, and, and it doesn't say this in the text, but being a human being, I can only imagine that he was thinking, well, great. The crowd slowed us down, and then this, this, this lady here held us up, and now my daughter's dead. I, I can only imagine the emotions that were going through his mind, and, and being uh, human, you can imagine that too. What, what's going on here? He's probably a little bit mad at her, a little bit mad at Jesus. Why, if we'd only, it's just right there. The house is right there. It's just a walk along the beach. If we just kept going, these people just gotten out of the way, she'd be alive, but they tell me she's dead. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Let's go. Let's get on up there. So they, they push the crowd aside and they get to his house. And um, Mark 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 41, 42 tells us this. And this is beautiful. It says, then he, meaning Jesus, took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl. I say to you, arise. Verse 42 says, immediately, immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. What a moment that was. Little girl, arise. Little girl, come on. Now, there's some people that say in the the context of that uh, passage that she was just asleep or she was in a coma. I don't care. She needed a touch from Jesus. He took her hand and immediately she arose. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's come out of a coma. They don't immediately do anything. It's a, it's a process for them to come out of that. But with the touch of Jesus, it was immediate. She arose. This simple act of faith. Everybody in that room had to been. Well, we give up. What, what are you going to do now? She's died. And then Jesus touches her, and she's alive. Not just alive. She's up and doing stuff. Maybe she had chores to do. I don't know. Didn't want to get in trouble. But she's up, and she's around because of this touch of Jesus Christ. Don't worry. Let's go. What a moment that was. So the people in this count, the people of this story we read, Jarius and the woman, his daughter, and, you know, all of the people that were around, they could not have been more different. Jarius was a wealthy man. He had a lot of power. He had a lot of everything. It says he had servants and all this kind of stuff. And this woman undoubtedly was just destitute. She'd spent all of her money only to get worse. They were two very different people. Wealth and position and power and a, and a, a nobody, if you will. I, nobody. There's not anybody that's a nobody, but you understand the expression. She was an outcast. She wasn't wealthy. She had nobody around her, and he had everything. So uh, Jairus approaches Jesus with this very formal request. 
He's begging. He's pleading. It's a very formal request. And this woman, she just had to, to, to kind of sneak through the crowd and touch his garment. Two very different approaches, yet they're both connected. They're connected by fear. They're connected by a deep, deep need. They're connected by their faith that Jesus Christ is the answer. So in this room, we have some very different people here, don't we? We don't think of it that way. We think this is we're common, we're in the church. You know, if we don't know each other, we certainly see each other, but we come from a lot of different places. We have very different backgrounds and very different experiences in life. Uh, the span of the crowd here represents a very wide variety of people, and I'm thankful for that in my church. But in this church, there's today, there's one thing we have in common. We live in a sin-broken world, Right? This world is broken, and it's showing itself to be more broken all of the time. It's been that way since the Garden of Eden. It's a broken world. We have that in common. We live in this world. But we're all people, and we're all here for a purpose. We're people that every one of us need love, right? We need love. I know you tough guys, especially the tough guys over here in the teenage crowd, they're not going to admit that. We don't need love. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be, you know, isolationists. And we're going to go to Montana. That's what I thought when I was your age. I don't need anybody, but we need love. We absolutely have to have love. We're built to need love. We need peace, don't we? We need peace. There's something pressing upon us all the time. Here, be worried about this. Be bothered about this. Here's a, new, here's a new media feed. Oh, you need to be very concerned about this. Oh, be afraid. Everybody be afraid. We need peace. We need peace. Christ promises us the peace that passes all understanding. Boy, we need that, don't we? We need forgiveness. Everybody in this room needs forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And we know that we need forgiveness. Christ offers that forgiveness. We're all the people that need answers. We want answers. What's the, you know, what's the meaning of life? All these existential things. What, what does it mean to be alive? What, is, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be? How am I, am I contributing or am I not contributing? Now, some of you are asking, why aren't more people contributing to me? Uh, you know, we, we, we need these answers in our lives. Why, why, why? Jesus has the answers. He has the answers. We all need, every single one of us, need a touch from Jesus Christ. We need it. I'm not saying we want it. We need it. We need that touch from Jesus Christ. How can I be different? How can I be better? How can I be more like Christ? How, how can my life exemplify him more? How can, I, how can I live? I need that touch from Jesus Christ. So let me, I'm just going to give you a couple of things here that I want to give you assurance of. First, I want to give you assurance that the touch of Jesus Christ is a touch of love. 
It's a touch of love. Sometimes we get this odd uh, sort of mythological idea in our mind that God sits on a throne with a lightning bolt, and if we do something wrong, he's going to strike us with it. I don't see that in my Bible. Now, there is, there is consequences for sin. There's no doubt about that. But when you're looking at the life of Jesus Christ, you know you will not find a place where he turned anyone away. He never turned anyone away. He always said, come unto me. He always said, suffer the little children to come unto me when others were trying to turn them away. He went out of his way to meet people that others would not have anything to do with. He did that. He will not turn you away. Jesus Christ loves you. He demonstrated that on his cross. I think probably, if in my opinion, the most important thing he said on that cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was to us. In his mind, he saw people in Avon, Indiana, sitting in a room, and he was saying to us, Father, forgive those people at Harmony, for they know not what they do. His touch is a touch of love, first and foremost. Secondly, the touch of Jesus is a touch of life. And we see that very pointedly in our story today. But I want you to understand this. Your life was created for a purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. So you were born with a very specific purpose. That's hard. What would that purpose be? Just trust him. Seek that touch of Jesus, and he'll lead you to your purpose of life. He didn't make you by mistake. You live for a reason, and that reason is known by Christ. And a touch from him will help you find that purpose and that meaning how you can affect, uh, positively, by the way, other people's lives. You can impact their life very positively. You know, that's one of the things I missed the most when we were shut down last year was the people. Well, most of you anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just the, the smiles, the, you know, the, the pat on the back, the people who mean it when they say, how are you doing? Uh, just all of that fellowship is a touch of Jesus Christ and it's a purpose of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that we have that here. That brings us joy when we have that. And then last, I want to share with you that the touch of Jesus is a touch of healing. It's a touch of healing. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. There are a lot of struggles in this room today. Some, some of you wear it well. You, you put on your smile. Nothing's wrong. I'm good. All is well. Yeah, we're all struggling because we're living in a sin-broken world. We're struggling. Life is a struggle. We're struggling with forgiveness, forgiveness of other people. Well, they, they did me wrong is the expression. Yeah, but Jesus did you right. There should be forgiveness in one another's lives. We struggle with hopelessness. What's this all coming to? What's it going to mean? I've probably had people ask me four or five times a week, are we in the end times? Well, we're closer there today than we were yesterday. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we're, we're getting there. Uh, don't worry. It'll happen soon enough. Uh, we, but we have hope though, right? Uh, whatever the times are, the times are. 
But our hope is in that touch of Jesus Christ. He has always had this. He has us now. He will always have us. That touch of Jesus Christ is a healing touch. We all have struggles with sin. Are we supposed to talk about that in church, that sin thing? Oh, I guess we can. That's right. They said I, I could in Bible college. We struggle with sin. Why? Because we're in a broken world and we're broken people and we have a sin nature. Thank you, Adam and Eve. We have a sin nature. We're going to struggle with it. It's a discipline to live without sin and to attempt to live without sin. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. Temptations fly in your face constantly. These thoughts, these, these opportunities, if you want to call it that, to sin are constantly upon us. But Christ can heal us from that sin. We all struggle with the past. We struggle with the present. And we will struggle in the future. But Jesus Christ can heal you. He can heal you. I know you may be thinking, that's, that's impossible. I, I've tried this. I've tried that. I, I've gone to many kinds of things to... I'm telling you, you need a touch from Jesus Christ is what you need. So both the characters in our story had a lot to overcome. You can see the fear that they had to overcome. You can see the guilt that they had to overcome. You can see the peer pressure that they had to overcome. Never, never negate the power of peer pressure. It'll, it'll turn you around. They had to overcome the crowd itself just to get to him to get that touch, but their faith and their courage brought them face to face with that healing touch of Jesus Christ that they needed so much. Now I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of people here today that have similar things in your life that are keeping you from that touch of Christ. Fear, peer pressure, uh, pride, uh, even your sin, I can't go to Christ. I've got I've to get this worked out first. You can't. You come to Christ, and you'll, you'll receive that touch, and you will overcome. You may um, have a lot of similarities with these people in our story today. I, I certainly don't know what they might be, and I don't want to know what they might be. But you know and God knows. So I will encourage you today to push past the crowd in your life, push past the noise in your life, push past the, the uh, negativity in your life and say, I need a touch from Jesus. I need to get to him. I need that touch. I promise you, he will heal you. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a few minutes. I promised you a time a few minutes ago this is a time to be alone. It's a rare time. And it's a time to be alone with God. Not to be talking to other people. Please put the phones down. Let's talk with God for a minute. It's a gift that you have right now. It's a decision time. If you know Christ as your Savior today, if, you've, if you know you had that moment with him, I want to encourage you today to be closer to him in faith than you've ever been before. Get back to him. Push through the crowd of your life and get back 
to Jesus today. Receive his touch and take that next step and be remarkable in your life. I encourage you to pray about that right now. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you, you can't remember that time. When, did I ever meet him? Did I, did I actually have this time of a touch in my life? I want you to know this invitation, his invitation, is open to you right now. He will not turn you away. He will not turn you away. But instead, he will heal you. He will call you daughter. He will call you son. He will heal you and he will say, rise into a new life. Rise into a life of hope, a life of healing, a life of peace. Rise. You are healed. As we have this time, if you want to come to the altar, you're welcome to come. If you want somebody to pray with you, somebody will pray with you. If you don't know what to do, just come. If you'd all stand for just a minute, just please stand with heads bowed and eyes closed and make room for anybody who wants to come and receive a touch from Jesus Christ. You can do this in your seat, but for some, it means something. It's to come forward to the altar, and that, that altar is open to you now. Perhaps you do need Christ as your Savior, and you're wrestling in your head. Well, I, I believe in God. Yeah, the Bible says that the the demons believe in God and they tremble. That doesn't make them saved. I mean, well, you might have had an experience much like mine where people kept telling me I say, but do you remember it? I'm not trying to cause you to doubt. I just want you to be sure. Maybe you're a Christian today. And you think, boy, I really do need to get back. I need to get back to Christ. I need to pay attention to to the main things, be the main things. You're invited to come with heads bowed and eyes closed. You're invited to come. One last minute to, make, to have that prayer. It's not that this is the only time you can pray, but it might be the only alone time you have for a day or more. Use this time wisely to be closer to God, to touch Jesus Christ.
Father, we thank you for these lives that lived so many hundreds of years ago. They're still speaking to us now as an example of how much we need the touch of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there be one here today that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would not leave this place before they know. If they've already accepted Christ, I thank you for that, God, and I pray that you'd work in their life as you have mine. It's been such a joy to walk with you and talk with you. And others in here that made decisions, Father, I pray that you'd reinforce that. Don't let us go out the back door and go to lunch and be distracted and just forget about the whole thing. Lord, I pray that you would press upon our minds of how much you love us and how much we can do with you and how much we can be healed. Father, thank you for everyone's attention today, for this opportunity, for your word, for your Holy Spirit working through us. May you never let us rest until we are doing what you want us to do and where we, you want us to be. We thank you for your love. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.